Hi, this is Ian Wolfe, producer, host and writer for Diffusion Science Radio. I need your support. You can support Diffusion by downloading a free Audible audiobook from audibletrial.com science. Just for getting you to try them out, Audible will pay me a small reward. Or you could click on an Amazon link on diffusionradio.com and Amazon will kick a few percent of what you pay them my way. Please, make a donation directly with the PayPal button on www.diffusionradio.com. Diffusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, see the universe with Google Cardboard. But first, here's the news. Bitcoin encoded DNA. Psst. Want to back up your DNA on the blockchain? GeneCoin sells you a kit to sample and sequence your DNA and encode it in the Bitcoin transactions being shared by millions of computers, tablets and phones spread around the world. Finally, you can spread your DNA around the world without enjoying sex, without raising children, and your DNA may persist forever without in any way helping you enjoy the benefits of super long life. GeneCoin is gauging public interest at GeneCoin.me at the moment, but they're clear about how things will work. You'll spit in a small jar, and the jar is sent to a DNA sequencing company. The DNA sequence is sent to GeneCoin, who encode it into Bitcoin transactions, which are then copied around the world by every computer and phone involved in the Bitcoin blockchain network. This works because every single device that runs Bitcoin software downloads and maintains a copy of the accounting book for Bitcoin, the blockchain. This accounting book keeps the data on millions of devices. If you encode data as Bitcoin transactions, selling, buying, or even just transferring Bitcoin between two accounts, that data will stay stored on all those millions of computers around the world. You just need to run the GeneCoin application that can download a copy of the World Bitcoin Account blockchain and decode the data back into a DNA sequence. GeneCoins say that they use two bits to encode every base, so that an entire human DNA sequence would take up around 750 megabytes. For privacy, you can opt to have the encoded DNA information encrypted before it's uploaded to the Bitcoin network. In the future, to save uploading costs, they may only encode the differences between your genetic material and an arbitrary reference human. Of course, Bitcoin may be replaced in the future by a newer cryptocurrency. But GeneCoin has your back. 
they're developing online software robots that search out new cryptocurrency blockchain networks and then upload your encoded DNA when they find them. GeneCoin see a future where everyone will have their own cryptocurrency based on their encoded DNA. Your personal branded digital money that propagates an encoded and encrypted electronic representation of your genetic material with every payment. Why would you want this? Perhaps your encoded and encrypted gene sequence could act as a kind of identity document. Perhaps, in the future, your stored gene sequence could be used to grow cloned body parts for your old age. It's spreading your DNA around the world and surviving a long, long time, as we've evolved to want. And yet it's not really either of those things. It's very much a clever solution, still looking for a problem. Who are GeneCoin? They're not a listed company. They're anonymous, self-described, young computer scientists in the Northeast with an interest in Bitcoin. To me, it's almost like some aliens or artificial intelligences sat around and chatted about how humans have this powerful drive to reproduce our DNA as a form of immortality. And then they figured they could satisfy this drive digitally by using the accounting network of online cryptocurrencies without ever understanding or feeling the drive to reproduce themselves. Reproduce your DNA! But not really. Live forever! But not really. Even if GeneCoin disappear without encoding any DNA in Bitcoin, the concept is technologically sound. It would work, it's just a service that completely fails to satisfy. The best part of GeneCoin is that nobody can work out if they're serious. Australian futurist Nathan Waters suggests that we imagine an open blockchain storing 7 billion human genomes with paired medical history and data, with millions of computer miners providing processing power and rolling out XPRIZE-like competitions that pay out cryptocurrency for new discoveries in the data. Now that might be worth spitting in a jar. listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. In countless ways, directly and indirectly, your product here serves the nation and its citizens plays a vital role in helping every American to achieve a better way of life, enables or helps him to enjoy healthful recreation, have well-trained, obedient pets, make friends, have leisure time for travel, grow bigger crops. Get real smoking satisfaction. Strengthen our national defense.
keep romance from fading away. Enjoy smoother shades. Live in a more comfortable home. Take off ugly fat. Achieve success. Thus the... Your name here. Story. A story of refusal to admit defeat. A story of gallant men and women who kept faith and who molded the universal dream of a better life into reality through your product here. The living symbol of our national heritage and whose contributions to the betterment of mankind will never be forgotten. And now, affordable, immersive, 3D visualization of astronomical data with Google Cardboard and the International Virtual Observatory. I dropped in on the annual Astronomical Data Analysis Software and Systems Conference to speak with some data astronomers. Thanks to Helen Sims, who helped me organize the interviews. I spoke with Kai Polsterer from the Heidelberg Institute of Theoretical Studies, leading the Astroinformatics Group and Andre Schaffer from the Strasbourg Astronomical Centre. He's been part of the Virtual Observatory since the beginning. I began by asking them, what is the name of the BOF, the Birds of a Feather session, that they'll be presenting to the conference? So today we plan to talk and discuss with other astronomers about affordable, immersive 3D visualisation of data. You're talking about visualisation of 3D data. You're talking about virtual reality? It's including virtual reality, but it's a little bit more because visualization and perceiving data has a lot of different aspects. Of course, gaming is always seen to be the topic of visualization or virtual reality where you run around and play with the avatar. But visualization is really about getting deeper knowledge of what hidden correlations are in your data. What can I find in my data? What's the way that you're visualizing data in 3D? What's the method? Currently, we selected something that is related to gaming based on a gaming engine. We developed an own client running on your smartphone so that you can use a simple stereoscopic viewer together with your smartphone to move through the three-dimensional data space. And by using the access sensors of the telescope, you are able to immerse yourself. By looking down, you see what's beneath you. You can look around, you get a feeling how data space is built up. And because humans are three-dimensional beings, we are used to remember really well whether there had been special constellations within the data. What sort of 3D visualizing devices are you using? I'm just using my simple smartphone, simple Android-based smartphone, together with a 3D viewer made from a German company called Zeiss. It's a little bit more expensive than the Google Cardboards that you can get for only $3, Australian dollars. So it's a little bit more expensive, but because it has bigger lenses and better lenses, it gives better 3D impression. When you're looking at the data, are you seeing stars and galaxies or are you seeing representations of the data where you're looking for patterns? 
in principle, you can look at stars and galaxies, but it's so general that you are able to pick the dimensions you want to have visualized. And space is just one axis you can visualize. You definitely can think about size, colors, shapes, different kinds of motion. All those things could be encoded within your data points in the three-dimensional space and enable you to understand correlations, over-densities, strange outliers, those things you are interested in. There's a lot of data being generated with all these bigger and better telescopes. Is this going to enable people to make better use of it all? Currently, the smartphone is doing the rendering. For that reason, you are limited in the amount of data you can show on it. But there are other approaches with other technologies where you can directly stream data to a 3D device, a stereoscopic viewer. And that might enable you to see the whole Gaia mission data set. So it might enable you to see the whole Milky Way as a three-dimensional object and gives you a clear understanding of your structure. In your demonstration, you actually allowed me to go through the large-scale structure of the universe. Now, how was that information gathered? This information was taken through a VO protocol, a virtual observatory protocol, enabled us to have a uniform access to the data. The data was originally taken with a Sloan Digital Sky Survey, and as a part of the mission, was taking in the order of 700 spectra per observation, and therefore we now have nearly 2 million galaxies with spectroscopic redshifts, and that enables me to build this three-dimensional space. And what you can see from the data is the data was published in papers, but there they created pie slices where they choose a certain projection on 2D to create a plot. But when you now move through this three-dimensional space, you are really able to see the over and under densities much clearer and really see how spongy-like the structure of the cosmic web is. In principle, we are working on methodology to deal with this, those large data sets, to be able to analyze those data sets automatically and to be able or to assist the astronomers in doing that job. So the AI algorithms would highlight to the astronomers what they should pay more attention to? Yeah, just assisting you, automatically screening the data, looking for outliers, trying to find basic representations, what is in the data, just showing you the basic representation and therefore giving you an overview what is in your data set. I started doing visualization for one purpose, because some of the results from my machine learning algorithms were hard to present in 2D. And then I thought, how can I exchange the results, projection from a very high dimensional manifold to a Latin three-dimensional grid? How can I present it to my collaborators? And I figured out watching the results on the screen is not sufficient. And then I thought, oh, it might be a nice, yeah, some kind of project to start thinking about visualization and that's why I started it and that's why I was aiming for getting something really cheap out because now you can give a whole 
class of students, a set of Google Cardboards, for example. It's so affordable that you can give them a cardboard for free and have their own 3D immersive environment. And for that reason, it was just thought of how do we enable others to understand the data in higher dimensional spaces. And has this been, have you trialed this with students in classrooms yet? Not yet. Not yet on students because the software I'm talking about will be released tomorrow. So it's part of ADAS. It's the first prototype we present. And the topic of the BOF is to talk about whether it is even useful to think of 3D visualization. Isn't it better to stick on 2D visualization on screen because we might exclude people with disabilities? Or is it worth thinking of other things like soundification, adding sound to objects? There are so many new ideas in the field where you have to think about. And the topic of the BOF is really, or in principle, we want to encourage all astronomers during that conference to discuss with us what they want to see in those applications. So you could be visualizing data in 3D in many colors and different sorts of sounds and all sorts of different inputs to give you different dimensions to better understand what you're looking at. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. It's exactly how you said it, yeah. A simple tool to visualize what you want to have. Oh. Perhaps I think we really should talk a little bit about the public outreach possibilities you have with those kind of visualization. The tool I was referring to is just something very special in principle meant for scientists. It is equipped with an interface to the virtual observatory and therefore all data catalogs that are compliant with the VO protocols can be put into this visualization tool. But there are many more things you have to talk about. You can talk about how do we provide movies of certain astronomical topics for public outreach purposes. You even can think of putting whole planetarium shows in something like a Google Cardboard device and people could see the sky over a huge city with a lot of light pollution through their smartphone. And it sounds strange, I know, but nowadays people tend to forget about the sky above us. Andreas, you're doing outreach with the Oculus Rift in astronomy. The, the initial idea was to, to make a study about what the virtual, the virtual reality could bring uh, to our data, the Strasbourg Astronomical Data Center. And so we started to work with the Oculus Rift, with simulation uh, data. And uh, the problem is that uh, when you want, for example, to share this work with other people, it's not so easy because you have to find uh, geek people who, uh, who have an uh, Oculus Rift. So uh, now we are also working with a Google Cardboard uh, because we work also with a planetarium in Strasbourg and it's easier to, uh, to share uh, this experience with young people with a Cardboard. It's uh, cheaper and uh, 
in a sense, they can also take the, the cardboard with, uh, with them at, at home and they can continue the uh, experience with their own uh, smartphone. The simulation that data was the first step. Now we are trying also to uh, to study what it uh, could bring to our uh, data from uh, the, uh, the survey catalogs, different things like that. So is this an app you're still working on or is this something that planetariums will be selling soon? On one side we work on these different things but we will also, if it's possible, share this work with the planetarium. So it's not the final aim is not to do it for a planetarium, but if we could share it with them, it's a really a good thing in the frame of our outreach. We, we put in the abstract, actually, the last sentence is something, is this just geeky stuff, or is it actually really useful to think about immersive visualization with a simple smartphone, a Google Cardboard, and a commodity gaming controller? And that's what we are waiting for. Criticism, good points, what could be improved, perhaps people saying, oh yeah, it might be useful to know that we could aim for getting funding to make it a little bit more professional and more efficient. Well, Kai and Andreas, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. That was Kai Polsterer from the Heidelberg Institute of Theoretical Studies and André Schaffer from the Strasbourg Astronomical Centre, talking about using smartphone-based virtual reality headsets to visualise astronomical data. More astronomy interviews to come. And next up is Better by Jonathan Coulton. Where did we go? When was the moment that we broke into? I think I know. In fact, I am sure I can blame it on you. I remember the first big surprise. The day you came home with your infrared eyes. I looked inside them, but all I could see were tiny reflections of me. But it's not me, it's you. What you're turning into is some kind of something that I never knew. It used to be okay. Now you're 13 feet tall Even when you're asleep Your machinery hums And I'm tired of the evenings I spend Making small talk with your new robot friends And their stupid insistence On scanning my iris They know damn well who I am And you look like a victim Of a surgical crime A little Darth Vader A little Optimus Prime Okay, and I like you that way But I don't think that I like you better No, I don't think that I like you better 
how it goes Snap your mandibles once to say you understand Now hold me close Wait, now that's too close, you're crushing my hand I can tell by that shrieking alarm Your weapon systems are active and armed Do me a favor That was Better by Jonathan Coulton. You can buy Jonathan Coulton's music on jonathancoulton.com. You're still a citizen with the power to vote. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively to promote peace and, and give the world freedom from want? It'll be up to you, and you too. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. A big thank you to Andrew from Melbourne for his monthly donation. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, helpful suggestions, and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network, including two Triple H in Hornsby, Karingai, two NVR in Nambaka Valley, two Double X in Canberra, and three MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos with this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, then explore the more than 700 previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are indexed by keyword so you can easily find the subjects you'd like to focus on. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. 
knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.